Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. Uh, welcome, welcome one and all to the Lions podcast that is out there. The most reviewed Lions podcast. And guess what? We're invading Spotify now. You can find it on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. We have been the most reviewed Lions podcast on Apple platforms. Now Spotify has ratings up. So guess what? You can go review us there. So we are the most, not review us, but rate us. But you can still make us the most rated Lions podcast on Spotify now. And we will like you. Thank you. I think right now we're sitting at 4.9. Yeah. Which is fantastic. It's on 61 reviews, which I, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think right now we are the most rated podcast on on Spotify as well. Detroit I'll take Lions that podcast. title too. I will take that title too, because I am the adequate host, Chris Perfett, at Chris Perfett on Twitter. And I think the ratings work there just because nobody can complain about me. So I'm all for that. You know, me and my ego. Yeah. Our chat is very quickly pointing out. We are live on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit chat. Very quickly pointing out. We need eight more reviews to really make it work. Isn't that right? Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit online. That's right. I don't know how we're going to coordinate that, but make sure you see how many reviews that we have or ratings we have before you give a rating. And then if, if there are already that special amount of numbers. I think we just leave it there and we'll, we'll be the most rated podcast until we're not. We'll be the, we'll be the nicest lions podcast. <laughs> exactly. Ryan Matthews is the rock God, not the sun God, the rock God at Ryan underscore P O D Ryan has yet to rate us, but he will very soon. Well, you know what? I, I will once I figure out how to do it. But the other thing is, uh, being a being a fellow God, uh, I, I'm so glad that we can set the table for somebody else uh, to to join us. Because, we, we're creating a pantheon. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. But the Sun God has arrived. The Sun God has arrived. I'm going to put the Sun God to the side. The Sun God is getting his procession ready together. We are going to talk a lot about Amon Ross St. Brown on this podcast. Um, imagine if the Lions eventually draft his brother, Osiris. I know Well, Jeremy doesn't like that because he's a running back. But I'm just saying we could I have a Sun God. You could have a Sun God and a God of the Dead. I mean, we'll be like building a, a Captain Planet on, on the Lions team. Like we, We've got... We've got <laughs> Sun and got death. The sun God. Sun and death. Okay. Well, yeah. We just need earth and water and, and we're good. It, but who's Captain Planet? <laughs> Is that the quarterback that they eventually oh Dan Campbell? Okay. Yeah. yeah no, no, Dan I'm Campbell's totally earth. Dan Campbell's Earth. He's he's totally <laughs> Earth. Um, let's back up a bit. We'll we'll get to da- to Amon Ra in a second because uh he is the most electric thing I think we can talk about, but we should revisit the Falcons game here. Uh, final thoughts we have. Obviously, if you haven't listened to it yet, me and Jeremy put out our initial thoughts and analysis at, in the aftermath of that game, which in spite of a late Tim Boyle interception to really screw the pooch, I think Jeremy and I both came away from it feeling all right, because um, not that there were team draft or team tank or whatever it is right now, but I, I think I think we can be reasonable about that game that for as battered as the lions are, that was kind of a loss that hurt a bit, but I don't think we're like, yeah, yeah. You throw that one away and you just kind of move on. And uh, yeah, I think. And, and, they, and they didn't, they didn't play all that bad. Like I think no, that's, they played that's well, the they played well too, part. in spite of all the, in spite of all the bangs up in spite of Tim Boyle. Um, and yeah, if you are a team tank or team draft, 
it's also in your favor because Lions stay number two. Uh, with one more loss, they lock up a top two draft pick. If they lose out and the Jaguars win one, they move to number one and they're guaranteed a top five because everyone else has moved to at least four wins. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, Ryan, we, we didn't get your like immediate thoughts on the game where <laughs> what, what was your feelings, I guess, in the aftermath? And, and now that, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking, are you, are you feeling bummed? Are you feeling fine? Unchanged from, from this week's results? Uh, Kyle Pitts had 100 plus yards receiving. Oh, so I should. Yeah, I, yeah. This is why. This is for the. For All the right. Um, by the way. Oh, Russell Gage. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw you right down there to Atlanta, and you go join Mike Rothstein. <laughs> You can go and hey. you and you can join him and you can go insult me all day. Dude, that's awesome. I'd I'd love to go hang out with Rothstein for a little while. Um, but yeah, I you know, in in the immediate like Tim Boyle throws the interception, right? And it's like, what the hell was that? Like what what did you see? And not to plug anything, but Jeremy Reisman has his own little uh, film breakdown of of Tim Boyle's final decision in the game uh, on Pride of Detroit. And you should go check that out um, to get an understanding of maybe what the hell Tim Boyle was seeing when he made that throw. But the throw happens, the interception happens, and you know the game's going to hit zeros. And it's just like, all right, they were in it all the way to the end. They were literally, you know, yards away from winning the football game. I'll take that. They were on the road playing the Falcons. I mean, the most Fugazi six-win team of all time. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. There's a lot of Fugazi in the AFC, but uh, I'm not going to quibble your point Steelers. too much. Steelers. Yeah, it's holy God. Yeah. <laughs> it, it still blows my mind that before that game, the Falcons, of their six wins, none of them had come at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Um, yeah. But Alabama, I, Alabama had more wins in that stadium than, than the Falcons. <laughs> Can the Lions beat Alabama? My column. No, um, but but I, I think Jeremy, you know, to answer your question, like I, probably along the lines of like what you and Chris felt, like it felt like it was a competitive game from start to finish. Like the Lions were in it. I loved like ninety eight percent of the coaching decisions that were made by Dan Campbell. Um, you know, even the two percent that I didn't like ended up not biting them in the ass. So, you know, I, 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 I like the game for the most part, I guess Chris will take umbrage with something and I'm interested to hear what that is. I, I, I know that Jalen Reeves may been clubbed the ball out of Russell Gage's hands, but we were in a position that I think if that turnover hadn't happened and Atlanta ices the game away as they were probably want to do, we, me and Jeremy are probably getting onto the post game stream and being a little more critical of Dan Campbell and his decision to kick a field goal late in the game, rather than just try to get the fourth down for the touchdown. Is, is that fair, Jeremy, or, or yeah. am I off? Base? Oh, no question. I mean, I, I didn't like it and I, I wrote a little bit about it today and people were very mad about it, but <sighs> listen, I, yeah, I mean, people are banned about anything, but yeah, I mean, I guess what it comes down to a lot of people are like, well, you got Tim bull. You're, you're probably not going to convert on a fourth and five or fourth and six and, and whatever. Like, I guess my point is if you don't convert there, you're pretty much in the same spot where if you kick the field goal, because now Atlanta has the ball at their own eight yard line, you're down seven. You still need a touchdown, both situ- situations. You need a touchdown and both situations. You have three timeouts in the two minute warrant. So if you don't convert there, the game's not over. You're, you're okay. It's not like, it's not like you're you're putting the game on the line with one play by being aggressive in that situation. You're not. You're putting yourself in a very similar situation to if you kick the field goal, except you also have the very beneficial p- potential outcome of scoring a touchdown there and tying the ball game up. And so to me, I, I just think it made a lot of sense, especially since you just burned 10 minutes off the clock. You, take like the whole, you know, you, you, you already went for twice on that drive. Like if, if I, I do think that's a good argument that you've, you've already kind of pot committed on that drive to, to really go for a touchdown there. But even if, even if you want to throw that to the side, to me, just the downside of going for it and not making it mm-hmm. is so similar to me than, than just kicking a field goal there. Obviously you need to touch down in both situations. One gets you a win, one gets you a tie, but either way, Tim Boyle, you need him to score a touchdown when you're already there on the eight yard line. You got a good shot, so go for it. Yeah, and and I think to your point too, 
Jeremy, like, and I saw you tweet this, and this is the first thing I yelled out loud as soon as they went for the field goals. I was like, cool, they're still down by a touchdown. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, th- there's some other things to, like, that you're you're assuming that you make the field goal. What if Riley Patterson, I mean, this is a rookie. I mean, How dare you? he's perfect. How it, dare you? If he ends up and misses that field goal, holy crap, now you just lost more field position True. because of the missed field goal. And, you know, you know, the Falcons can, you know, they're, they're still up by, uh, you know, they're, they're still up by what they're up by. And the interesting thing to me is I wish the Lions would have gone for it. And I would have loved to have seen whether or not Dan Campbell went for two. I, I, I would have, I would have, I mean, this is, this is, this is, this is a lot of time left. There is a lot of time left. So like, it's not like that would be like four game. I don't think he yeah. would have either, but like you said, on that drive, they can, that, that would have been their third, what fourth down conversion on that drive. Yeah. Yep. I mean, just just, just hammer to the wall. <laughs> yeah, just continue throw sevens or whatever. I, I don't this, know. How this does crabs work? Be... Is that right? Oh, God. You don't want to throw seven, I think. I don't know. This seems to be the theme of the NFL. It's fans, it's analysts, and it's uh, talking heads and coaches. This month it seems to be that we're all on the sidelines sitting here getting louder and louder. It's like, why aren't you doing the smart thing? Why aren't you going for it on fourth down? Why aren't you going for it uh, for touchdowns over field goals? And I think the, the noise, why are you, why aren't you going for two point conversions more? And the noise is just getting louder because I think some of these coaches still draw bad plays in those scenarios. Right. And people come up with more and more cockamamie answers. I heard one like radio guy saying like, well, you got to take the emotion of the game into consideration. It's like, yeah, you do. And a lot of that emotion still favors your offense going for go going for it on fourth down. But I, I don't even agree with that because I feel like most coaches will tell you you have to take emotion out of the game. You have to not like that that can that can put you in harm's way if you're just like if you're riding the emotions of a game that can get you in trouble. Um, yeah, emotions more for the defense. It's not for like the offense. I would right. say. But and and here's here's another thing. And and maybe this matters to you. Maybe it doesn't. But the Lions were three for four on fourth down in that game. They they were working it on fourth down. And the only time they didn't convert. Do you guys know what it was? It was a hail mary at the end of the first half. So oh, essentially, yeah. they were perfect. The hell like, was a hail mary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, I, it was. It was technically by the book a hail mary, although it did certainly did not get yeah. to where it needed to be. So. But, yeah, I, I want to get away from that, though, to go yeah. back to Boyle in that, like, sure. there seems to be some chatter today about what Boyle's future is with the Lions, and yeah. I, I'm just here to tell you, I don't really, this is going to sound a little heartless, I don't really care. Um, he was never an answer to come with. Uh, he, he like, I don't know, man, I, I know the NFL is in love with ch- these, these backups with big arms trying to develop them and see, you know, what, what might actually stick to the wall, but there's a re- like Boyle played fine. I yeah. thought he played fine for a backup, but it's not, he's not an option that will ever become a starter. And so I guess the question is, you know, what kind of a future is that except to bounce around and you continue to be a backup. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess when I saw the interception in the end, I just remembered why Tim Boyle in one year at Eastern Kentucky doubled his interception numbers in college. Yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting situation, right? He, you know, his, his contract ends at the end of the season. This was the second start of the year, his second start of his career. Um, you have to wonder whether he was playing for his job here next year in this game. And you listen to what the coaching staff says, and they, you know, Campbell was pretty supportive of him. Campbell said, you know, he did a good job implementing the game plan that, that we had for him. And I thought the game plan was good for him. I think they, they properly kind of mitigated some of the, the bad parts about his game and the mistake he made at the end of the game, it was bad, but it was also something that just, it screams to me inexperience. It's not, he's an idiot. It's not, he can't read defenses. It's, he was in a hectic moment. The, the play clock was running down. He has never been in a situation to have a game winning drive like that at the end of the game. And so he was a little overwhelmed and like, you can even read some of the things he said. And it's kind of interesting seeing how open he was about um, flustered. He he was like, here, here's a quote from him. He says, quote, 
I think the game was just happening so quick that bodies were just kind of flying around. And by the time I'm trying to get the ball snapped and the and kind of the clock runs down, you know, you just have to trust your gut on that one. And in the moment, I trusted the fact that it was zone. I wish I could go back. Like he was flustered in the moment, and that's completely understandable. It's his first time in the NFL ever being in a situation like that. And and given like all the you know, all the slack that we give rookie quarterbacks. I mean, Tim Boyle was essentially a rookie quarterback out there. He was. He was a 27-year-old, a 27-year-old sure. rookie quarterback. Right. But the second start of the game, like yeah. it's it's a situation he's never been in in the NFL. Sure. And so you you need to cut him some slack, I think, and and not, you know, just label him as a horrible kid. I'm not going to sit here and say he was a great quarterback and he deserves to be a starter, but like could, could Tim Boyle be a, a capable backup quarterback in the NFL? I think so, probably. But but give him give him a chance to improve. Yeah, I mean he's still got the nod over David Blau. I will give him that. Dude, I, I mean you take a look at the rest of the roster around him. Like <laughs> yeah, like we we still need to remember that, right? Yeah, like I think I think it's important to keep that in mind too. Like I, I couldn't believe that like I, I couldn't believe that some people were so like you know going in on Tim Boyle's performance yesterday when it seemed like that was like the least of the concerns for the Detroit lions. Like, I mean, I make of it what you will. I mean, if you want to play the game where like, Oh, if Jared Goff isn't on COVID protocol, you're, you're probably going to win that game. Maybe, maybe, but like, I I think that the lions were like in just a good, I mean, they were yards away from winning the football game. It was one play away from, from, from a winning football game. And like, if, if you think about it, like, how much does the narrative change about Jared Goff if he doesn't complete that pass to Amon Ross St. Brown for, for the first win of the season against the Vikings? Like, I mean, he you threw know, an interception, like he threw an interception, the, the drive, drive before. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, no, like things change. It shows that like, that's that razor's edge that you live on yeah. in the NFL. And like, I just, I, yeah, I, I, I real quick. I, the last thing I want to say is to, to Jeremy's point about the quote that he brought up about Tim Boyle, like, this guy is essentially like, he's a rookie. Like this is NFL speed for his second career start. And I I mean, I, Hey, he had a, uh, he had a higher expected uh, completion percentage than um, Matthew Stafford yesterday. I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm just (laughs) saying, just saying it's not, it's not been going well for, for our old boy. I will say this. The one thing I thought Boyle was deficient in that probably, might have put this game a little further in Goff's favor, which is not something I thought I would ever say is that, I mean, clearly he was trying to find Josh Reynolds and Josh Reynolds just has a better chemistry with Jared Goff at this point, you know, he targeted now and it's not like for lack of trying Boyle targeted him, like I think seven times and only uh, Reynolds only grabbed two of those, I believe. Yep. So, but I'm just saying like that, that, that was an element that usually has been working in those two wins in Goff's favor is the, is the Josh Reynolds connection. And it just wasn't there for, for Boyle. So and, take that as and, well. And another thing not working in his favor was whatever happened to the tight end position in that game, because the Lions, <laughs> dude, we don't have tight ends. The Lions, tight ends. we Kabinda, don't have tight ends. And then they lose Shane Zilstra to a ironically broken kneecap, um, which you, you can't make up, but it, and, and if you listen to Campbell talk, like they had a lot in that game plan for, for, uh, for fullback, for, for Cabinda. And so, like you, it, it, he almost made it sound like, you know, when uh, when Hill, what's this guy's first name? The Josh, Hill. Josh Hill. Um, they they talked about him in in New Orleans as the as the what was it, Ryan? The you know what I'm door. talking about? The, as the front door, and like everything goes through the front door. That's how I feel like the Lions are, are hoping Jason Cabinda to be, and they lose him for this game. They lose their front door, so suddenly, I feel like they had to cut the the the, the playbook in half, essentially once he was gone. And, and that's, I mean, that's significant, especially when you're probably already got it working with a limited game plan with the backup quarterback. So all that to keep in mind and, and, and maybe cut the guy some slack a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, it is, it's December and we're talking about the backup quarterback to start a Lions right. podcast, <laughs> mostly just because I feel like we got pressured into it because everyone's talking about the backup quarterback. It's sure. those kind of days again in Detroit, where we're wondering about the status of a backup quarterback. And my big point is like, it's small potatoes in it. Yeah. Good work by Tim Boyle, but I mean, he's the backup. Like, good job, yeah. good effort. Good job, good effort. Yeah. Just like the kid would say. Uh, anything real quick. We've only got a couple minutes before we got to take our first break. Any other just real quick points you have from this game that maybe we didn't get out on Sunday or Ryan, if you've got someone else who stood out in your mind? Um, 
you know, I, I want to say that like players stood out to me on the defense, <clears throat> but not really. <laughs> like it, it just seemed like it was such a, um, it seemed like it was such a patchwork job by like, you know, what Aaron Glenn has to work with at this point that, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that there was anything like especially inspiring about a lot of the defensive performances, but the, the thing I do want to like give a little bit of credit to is, you know, limited snaps from Derek Barnes and like limited snaps from Aline McNeil and they both get home for a sack. Like that's cool. Um, can, Aline McNeil, we... by the way, hit with a uh, PED test out of the blue, <laughs> right? <laughs> Two sacks, yeah. three games. Suddenly the NFL is like, Hmm, I wanted to get this to this if we had time and you, you opened the door for me there with, with Derek Barnes because I'm the front door to this podcast, you heard the front door to the podcast. Derek Barnes had 14 like screen door. Game. That's what I thought was so weird too. Yeah. So yeah, the, the Lions have been dealing with linebacker injuries for the past month, whether it's Alex Anzalone, Jalen Reeves, Maven, or, or whoever. And Derek Barnes has not been linebacker two in any of these situations. Anthony Pittman is out snapping him. And I find that very, very interesting. Yeah. And I mean, Jalen Reeves, Maven, one of the few players on the defense who played every single snap. Yeah. I just, I wonder, and it, it's kind of, it, it's very much a mixed bag feeling for me because on one hand, I want to see Derek Barnes because he can be very fun to watch and he can be very good. On the other hand, I'm like, well, this coaching staff is kind of really sticking to the, you have to earn your playing time. Doesn't matter what you're, I mean, look at Jamar Jefferson, healthy scratch in this game. So yeah. these guys have are earning their spots during the week of practice. And Derek Barnes apparently is not earning his spot and he's making a lot of rookie mistakes. I'm not, I'm not saying the Lions are making a huge mistake because he'd make this defense a lot better, but I find it very interesting that he has not played a lot despite that linebacker group being uh, being hit by the injury bug pretty hard. You're right. I opened the door to this. Sorry. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we do have to talk sun god. Sun god, sun god, sun god. The sun is rising. Praise the sun. Praise the sun. Dark souls. Black ops. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. And as promised, sun god time. The sun is rising. Our hands are out in supplication. And um, I feel vindicated in very big ways. I think we were talking about this the other day, Jeremy. A lot of guys, a lot of us covering the Lions, you get a lot of people um, who mistake you as being a Michigan person as well. Michigan State fans make sure that their voices are always heard no matter what, um, even when you didn't ask for it. 
Very rarely does someone outside that duopoly, like myself, a proud Trojan, only graduated a few years ago from the master's program, get to do something as cool as, as preen about with not only a good draft pick, but a draft pick from the fourth round that a lot of people were like, it's just golden tape. Maybe that's a ceiling. I don't know. Uh, through the start of his first seat year so far, Amon Ross St. Brown has eclipsed all but two Lions wide receivers in yards in their rookie year. The only two in front of him, Calvin Johnson, which if uh, Amon Ra gets, I think, 65 more yards, he passes Calvin Johnson and Roy Williams. And, and this is what I spent a lot of time in the break trying to find, uh, right now, Amon Ra St. Brown ranks second in the NFL over catches uh, in catches over the last month, third in yards, and he has joined Odell Beckham Jr. as the only rookies to ever catch eight passes in four straight games. So clearly, there's a hot streak going on. And I know part of that is, is that the Lions have uh, a, a lack of receivers to have multiple options. It's Josh Reynolds and it's Amon Ross St. Brown. There's no TJ Hawkinson. Khalif Raymond has stopped being really part of the plan, but um, we talked about him after that game winning touchdown and he led receivers in this game with nine catches and Jeremy. um, I don't know if he is going to be the locked in wide receiver, number one for the future, but I would also contend there's no such thing as a as a clear cut wide receiver number one in this day and age with a modern offense, and Aminra has shown you that he's more than just what you plan for when you have a slot receiver. He does. I don't know. Uh, I, I haven't felt this confidence since. Um, uh, why am I blanking on his name? Damn. Never mind. You know me. I just blanked. It's it's interesting, man. Like I think the minute he stepped on to the field in training camp, we knew there was something special about his attitude and Quan Bolden. That's what I was thinking. I was sorry. And Quan Bolden. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> we knew, you know, he had some Heinz Ward in him and that name has come up again with, uh, um, on, I don't know if it was, I think it was the offensive coordinator who, who compared him to that, but I guess there was still some questions about what he could do on the field. Cause he never was like a number one option there at USC. He was just kind of like, he was a, I don't want, I don't even want to say a gadget player because that seems too gimmicky, but he was a guy that it seemed like they just couldn't find a big time role for him. And halfway through the season, the Lions have managed to do that. And I think it's important to point out the things you pointed out. The Lions don't have a lot of great receiving options right now, especially over this past month where he's been so electric because you, one, the one guy you didn't mention who has missed a, a full month and, and beyond is DeAndre Swift. Yes. who had been one of Jared Goff's favorite check down targets through, through the first two months of the season. And so th- there is a question to be had here, whether Amon Ra is, is creating his op- own opportunities or if he's simply the only one out there that, that is capable of catching the ball. But I think in a way it doesn't matter because he's proving he's capable of being the centerpiece, the centerpiece of an offensive game plan. And that's what he is. Like, there's no going about it. Like right now it's not TJ Hawkinson. It's not Craig Reynolds. It's not Jared Goff. It's not anyone else. Like Amon Ra is the center of this offense, especially the passing. I would argue maybe he's even the center of the offense. If you throw in the running game a little bit as well, because he's just, he's a game changer right now. He's moving the sticks. He's now he's scoring touchdowns. He has three touchdowns in the last four games where he had zero in the first eight or whatever it was. This, this guy is good. This guy is going to be maybe not the centerpiece once they get a couple more pieces in place, but he is going to be a piece and a big one. And that's pretty darn exciting for a fourth round pick. I feel like I need to let Chris rebuttal to that before. No, I... no, I, I agree with all that. I mean, like it's, it's your point, Jeremy. He, you know, if you get open, it doesn't matter if you're the only target, you're still getting open. And I look to somewhere like, you know, I I don't know, Cincinnati where, yeah, no, we know Jamar chase is the guy, the main guy there, but 
guess what? T Higgins still catches an, an incredible amount of passes there, even though he's not Jamar chase, which again, having good receivers, it doesn't matter how much you split the ball out as long as you're getting open. And as long as you're making plays, when you get that ball in your hand, you're still an impactful player. And again, the stat speaks for itself. And I don't think it's just because of, you know, a lack of options too. like, you don't get that pretty when there were times, other times when the lions had a lot of lack of options and they didn't get these kind of numbers out of someone like Amon Ra. And he's doing it with like a guy like Jared Goff. To me, to me, before you jump in, Ryan, the, the most shocking stat to me is the one where he has, he has eight catches in four straight games, which no Lions receiver has done that except for one. I'm not talking about rookie receivers. No Lions receiver has ever caught eight passes in four consecutive games except for one. And that one was just inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. Yeah, high praise, man. I mean... He, and he's putting up the stats to back it up, right? And I think what I like so much and what makes me think that maybe maybe if Amon Ra can't be like like the number one guy, he can be like the supplemental guy that could be enough to play the 1B to the 1A, right? Like it seems like if you get a big physical receiver that you can put on the outside, you can still – keep doing the really fun stuff that this offense is doing with Amon Ross St. Brown, because he got a little bit of like the Debo Samuel treatment on Sunday, yep. two carries for 19 yards, both of them like super cool plays. I mean, essentially the, the exact same, same play, play. Yep. Same play <laughs> right. But like it worked twice and it worked twice because you, you put the ball in that guy's hands and he goes and he makes a play and he made a couple people miss on those runs and, you know, ended up making, you know, two big chunk plays on, on both those carries. And, and we're not even talking about the, the nine catches for 91 yards and a touchdown, um, which, you know, here's, here's the thing that, that I looked up um, before, before we got into this, but this, this includes tight ends as well. Okay. But I'm on raw is 23rd in the NFL in, in, by next gen stats in separation like and that includes tight ends and you think about some of the tight ends in this league i mean they're getting matched up against linebackers they they create a lot of separation so you have guys who can do that like noah font and tj hawkinson at times and you know all these athletic tight ends but like even with those guys in the mix like i'm on ross st brown as a rookie 23rd in the nfl in separation um among pass catchers i feel like that's a really that's a I mean, that's something that this offense has been missing for so long. Do you, do you, do you have that list up still? I do, yeah. Can I, you scroll down it. to the bottom and tell me who's last? Can I tell you who's last? Yeah, because I think I know who it is. Oh, man. He's tied. Oh, go ahead. It's Kenny Galladay. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, <it is. laughs> he's, tied, he's, tied, he's tied with Devontae Parker. <laughs> oh, my Wow. That's too perfect. Um, so yeah, I think, I think what makes it surprising is again, like, look, I'm not going to quibble with like the draft grade or anything. I think Amon Ra kind of got lost in the shuffle of like USC always has great receivers coming out. I think it speaks to Brad Holmes's ability to pick up on wide receivers late in the draft. And, but like, I think we were, we weren't talking about Amon Ra in the draft as a separation guy. We were talking him no, as him yeah. as that physical yep. slot receiver who was working out late at night when he didn't go in day two of the draft. Yeah. We thought of him as the physical guy and he's showing you like, no, he can get separation. He can go fast and he can, he can ditch the, ditch the corner and uh, make things happen. So I, just, I'm trying not to fanboy too much on him. I, I'm really not, but I, like, I'm it, trying not to too, but I mean, like when you have a guy who's not only playing this well in his rookie season, despite being, you know, lacking some of those physical gifts that, that you would, you'd think you need to create that sort of separation. And then you combine it with a work ethic that is just unmatched. You, you have to think like the potential of this guy could just be off the charts. It, it, I, I mean, the physical gifts will lift him, will limit him to, to a point where he's not going to be like, a top three wide receiver in this league. I don't think that's what, what, what he'll be. And and also, I mean, he's not, he's not a downfield threat either, right? Like he does his damage in the first 15 yards of, of the lining beyond the line of scrimmage. So there's, there's limitations to his game in that sense, but in becoming like that perfect 
short yardage receiver that will get you first downs that will be a goal line threat. Um, because like I said, the, the touchdowns are starting to come now. It's, it's exciting to have that threat and it makes you wonder. And, and this is kind of where I, I want to take the conversation. How much of a need is wide receiver like going forward? Because if, if Amon Ra is one of those key pieces and, and we're starting to see the emergence of Craig Reynolds, unfortunately he gets put Josh on COVID. Reynolds. Josh, sorry, Josh Reynolds. Thank you. Uh, unfortunately, Josh Reynolds put on COVID today. So we, we might not see him this week, but Josh Reynolds is starting to show that he can stretch the, the ball downfield and, and be a reliable option for, for Jared Goff and, and kind of a perfect compliment to Amon Ross. So now maybe the Lions might have two key pieces to this wide receiving core. And yes, there's not a lot beyond that. Um, Quintus Cephas is a guy that maybe we shouldn't completely forget about considering he was showing some flashes before he broke his, his collarbone, but suddenly this doesn't seem like as dire of a situation as we were looking at it two months ago when this, this team was trading parts for, for Trinity Benson. This team, um, this team was making Khalif Raymond the receiving leader. Right. In multiple so, weeks. And, and listen, the Lions aren't in a spot where they're operating given the talent ar- around the roster completely where I don't think they can lock themselves into one position anyways. But I'm, I'm curious as to what you guys think. Like, I feel like we all agreed wide receiver was a must draft position two months ago. Do you still feel that way? Not on day one, not on day one, maybe not early day two either. I think you've pushed it completely off there and you can start targeting more, uh, more structural integrity roles like, you know, uh, you know, on defense or even, I mean, I'm not, is, is there a skill position that the Lions really would need that? I'm trying not to say running backs. I know where Jeremy falls on that kind of I, thing. I hate right to say now. it, but they, they might need a tight end. They might need another tight end for the depth. They definitely sure. need a tight end. They <laughs> definitely need a tight end. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 true. That's yeah. very true. Not but a running back, though. They're I, fine on running backs. Yeah, I mean, unless Brad Holmes can pull. I mean, may, the only reason I could say is, like, if someone like an Olave falls into your lap, you definitely want to pull the trigger on that. But otherwise, I'm fine with taking late flyers if Brad Holmes can find some more value on some of these guys later in the game. As you say, there's plenty of other needs the Lions need to get to right now. And Amon Ra has at least proven that he's going to be in here for the considerable future, unless something like completely falls off the table. And yeah, I mean, the, the Lions receiving core isn't great right now, but it's showing you that it's enough to get you by as we look at the first full calendar year of this rebuild. Depending on where the Rams pick is, I I would still be hugely in favor of the Lions taking a wide receiver in round one. Like, I mean, you could double dip and go after Drake London, but I think the problem on Drake London is I don't know what kind of receiver he is after that kind of injury he took. I know it's pretty much tanked a lot of his draft stock, but maybe yeah, he's I, there or Olave or yeah, or Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. Like, I mean, there there are plenty of names to to be thrown around about guys that. I would be totally fine with the Lions still taking a wide receiver because, I mean, yes, you have the emergence of Amon Ross St. Brown, um, but it it like to Chris's original point, like it 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 takes more than one guy. It takes more than two guys in a lot of situations. Yeah. Like look at the look at the spoil of riches that the Dallas Cowboys have at receiver, sure. right? Like why is their offense ticking? sidebar it's not because it's not it's not because of ezekiel elliott like i mean they're 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 better off with tony pollard in their backfield but they have cd lamb they have michael gallup they have amari cooper like they have multiple guys who can get it done and line up in different spots and the reason why i bring up cd lamb is i I found this so interesting but cd lamb and amon ra have the same amount of catches 74 through through the games that they played. How many more yards do you think (laughs) CD lamb has than Amon Ross St. Brown? So Amon Ra has what he has 692 yards. Yep. I'm going to say CD lamb has 970. Again, I'm going to go back to the Bengals example too, because like I mentioned two guys, but consider like, okay, so they, they put Joe Burrow in there. We were all kind of giggling a bit because they didn't take a, an offensive line lineman at the time. But like you look at that monster, because I, I mentioned Jamar Chase, I mentioned, you know, T Higgins, but then, you know, Tyler Boyd, 
is also on that roster. And Joe Mixon's catching catch. I think last game had something like six catches addition to running out of the backfield. Like, and suddenly they're the ones who are at the top of the AFC North and don't look like total frauds right now. Yeah, like, just yeah. the the only thing I would counter with those like, I'm on Ra, Raymond or not Raymond, uh, Josh uh, Reynolds, Josh Reynolds, thank you. Okay, PJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift. Those are four pretty darn good receiving options. Now, it. I, I guess the, the big question here is, do you have that clear number one that, that will be able to go against a, a shutdown corner? And I think the answer right now is pretty clearly no. Like Josh Reynolds. No, um, there's no one like a Jamar Chase. Tomorrow. Right. No, no Jamar it's Chase, no CD Lamb, no whatever number one corner. Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams. Like you don't have that game changing receiving threat that I think a lot of these top offenses do. And that's like, if one of those falls in your laps at, at 20, whatever, of course, go for so it. I guess and and type... even if it doesn't, I'm, I'm not against getting a receiver, but I guess my point is like, as long as the, all these guys that I just mentioned, you know, four or five decent receiving options are still there. I don't think you need to go in the first round necessarily, unless you think you get an absolute blue chip game changer. Well, that, that just ties it back to our original topic though. Ken Amon Ra, like, I, I know he's like blowing up everything right now, and it's easy to maybe knee jerk and say yes, but can he be that guy like a Jamar Chase? You, I don't think so. Well, I don't, but, but maybe. It, well, so this takes it to my point because, Jeremy, it was 1,006 yards. So you're oh, real geez. close on CD Lamb, right? Yeah. Their average depth of target difference, though, Amon Ra St. Brown, 6.7 yards. CD Lamb 10.9 yards. Right. So they need a field stretcher. So then it becomes can Amon Ross St. Brown be that guy if there's a different guy under center? And I don't know because I I don't know. Like I, I feel like I need to see it because like I I'm, I hate the Golden Tate comparison because I don't think that, that there's a lot there. Like other yeah. than the fact that he's a shifty wide receiver um, who can you know play you know, multiple positions, uh, whether or not it's outside or slot, but like, I, I feel like you saw a lot of golden Tate's kind of, uh, in terms of his like field stretching ability kind of get unpacked when he got here and he had somebody like Matthew Stafford. So I, I'm not saying that like a, a quarterback who came in here and all of a sudden, if you had like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball to Amon Ross St. Brown, that he would all of a sudden be this number one unstoppable threat that can stretch the field. But I certainly think he's better than, an average depth of target of 6.7 yards. Like I, I think that he can run some longer routes and, and do some other stuff. So maybe, I don't know to, to Chris's point. I, I don't know if he can be the number one guy, but I sure am interested to see like, if there's a different quarterback here, like, are there like, is there more to his game? I, I, I the only way reason I push back there is I just feel like he's, he's mostly a slot receiver. I mean, the lines have used him there. I'm looking at the stats about 70, 80% of the time. Yeah, like, And, and you're just, to... your, your route tree is limited there and, and his size will limit him against some, some of the bigger corners. He's not a guy that's going to jump up and, and, you know, 50, 50, a ball away from a, a defender there. I think the best, the best downfield threat you get from him is on that kind of trick play they ran last week, right? Where he, he faked blocking and then he's, kind of slid up on a wheel route-ish type of route and and you hit him there. You're, you're not going to ever get CD Lamb numbers out of him. You're just not. Like, that's not who he's going to be. I, 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 don't think, I don't think he's going to get, like, you know, Jamar Chase might get you in a game along, like, take it all the way to the house, like, get you, like, 60-plus yards on on a bomb. I don't think – what was Amon Ra's long? It's like 34 something like that. 37. I mean, again, part of that is, is like, look, who look, who's throwing to him. Sure. You can't get that ball down the field. But my point is like, we haven't exactly seen him in a foot race yet. I, I guess my point is like Josh Reynolds in his limited time here already has six plays of 20 plus yards downfield. Mm-hmm. Whereas Amon Ra has seven for the entire season. Different receivers. Yeah. Now, granted, I think Amon Ra's <clears throat> role grew over time here. He, sure. I think we no noted question. like we, we, I had mentioned it several times. We kind of brushed it off multiple times because I'm like, hey, look at all these receptions Amon Ra's getting, but those were always kind of coming in garbage time when the Lions were playing, coming from behind, and right. up until yep. that point they had been very, very conservative, and all of a sudden late, they decided to add Amon Ra St. Brown to the to the uh, game plan. 
I mean, so, like I said, he's not just added to the game plan. That man is the game plan. He is the game plan now. And it's a hell of a game plan. And I think this is a good place to kind of pack this in for now, because I'm sure we're going to revisit this a lot in the uh, off season, because I think this is, we want, you want to take talk about positive takeaways from this year. This might be one of the big ones. I agree. This might be one of the big ones. Uh, speaking of that future, we're going to reset the picture looking towards the draft looking towards the future. I know our Twitch chat has already asked a few questions about how do the Lions draft picks uh, get affected by the final few weeks. We're going to talk about that next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Wrapping up the Friday Detroit POD cast here. Uh, we've had some fun conversations during the break about playoffs. Playoffs. Not for the Lions. Not for the Lions. Let's let's make that abundantly clear. 2022, baby, though. We got it. Yeah. Unlock. Um, but speaking of the future and speaking of uh how the NFL is deciding itself in these final two weeks. I know the season's still going on and it's it feels painfully long at this point i didn't think the nfl season could feel like interminably long just adding one more game somehow we're there and i don't i don't understand i have enjoyed having multiple primetime nights with um these games on like tuesdays and fridays and saturdays though that's been fun sure that's been sure sure jeremy says jeremy jeremy doesn't care unless i'm giving him. i i like football on weird days the players certainly don't and i don't like the circumstances that it's taking 20 people on covid to to get these games and i don't know it's not ideal for anybody involved except for maybe the viewers it's not ideal for the nba watching the nfl just drop its trousers and moon the nba on christmas too true i i haven't seen those ratings yet i'm pretty sure the nfl with two games crushed crushed the NBA on their own day. Undoubtedly. That, that'd be like if baseball had Thanksgiving day games and like beat the NFL. That wouldn't happen. I know it wouldn't. <laughs> anyway, I promised to talk about the draft. So I guess here we are once again, talking about the draft. Cause it's all we really have to talk about at this point. It always keeps coming back. This is a, a guess that won't go away. You thought he was, he's um, was the guy from the Simpsons. The picture Homer. No, the <laughs> Brian, 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 what? what? Help me. Was it, is it Dr. Nick, AKA Michael Rothstein? <laughs> no. Think of the guy you kick out and somehow he's still there. Oh, uh, Barney. 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 The, Barney, the, the Barney. drunk. Yeah. yeah. The drunk guy. Okay. Thank you. I'm sorry. I, I was being really, really. Uh, Are you talking about. Mo, like yeah, Mo's, Mo's throwing him out. out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Barney. Yeah, yeah, yeah Barney. Right. Anyway. So, like Barney, the draft keeps coming up. Just like apparently my inability to retain names, information, and pop culture references. So, Lions are locked in, Jeremy, with the top five pick. Thanks yes. to uh, a couple of things. First off, thanks to the Texans, Davis Mills and Rex Burkhead beating the Los Angeles Chargers in yep. the most Chargers loss imaginable, and the Jets winning over Jacksonville in the annual Jet Jaguar game, which, I mean, allows the Jags to keep number one, but now puts everyone, I think we've got three teams at four and 10 right yep. now. Four and 11, I, yep. Four and 11, excuse me. So yep. that'll be Houston Jets and then the Giants join them. Right. And then Seattle's pitch, pick, which also goes to the Jets, is part of that five and 10 loggerhead with Carolina. Like the Giants, both New York teams are going to have like two top 10 picks. 
This feels like a conspiracy. Either way, though, the Lions are number two. They are locked into a top five pick. They cannot surpass. They can't go farther down than than I think uh, five. Correct. They can't. They can't. They can't catch Seattle at that point. So the far the, the most they can do is move up the two New York teams with their first picks and and Houston. If they win one game and lose, I mean, if excuse me, if they lose one game, they are locked into a top two pick. Correct. If they, if the Jaguars win one more game with them down the stretch than the Lions do, it's number one. Let, let me put this even more succinctly. The Lions are going to have the number two pick in the draft. Are you sure? The end. That? Because Jacksonville, their remaining games are against the Patriots and against the Colts. They're not going to win another game. Jacksonville is the number one pick. The Lions, the only way they're getting out of the number two pick and going lower is if they win both their games, they're not going to win both games. Lions are going to pick number two in the draft. So start getting your Aiden Hutchinson versus Kayvon Thibodeau on because that's, that's what's coming for the next, as, as, as we thought about a month ago before the Lions even had a win, that, that conversation is kicking back into high gear in about two weeks because the Lions are going to have the number two pick. Might even be kicking into higher gear, Jeremy, because imagine all of the Lions Our fans talk. that are going to be in your mentions saying, well, Jacksonville could take Evan Neal from Alabama. They could go tackle at number one. And there's going to be so many people that are going to still think that the Lions might. And you know what? Who knows? Maybe they might have their choice between Thibodeau and Hutchinson at number two. I The thing that I think is most interesting right now from this discourse is if the Lions do pick number two and if the Jaguars take either Thibodeau or Hutchinson – if the other one isn't like their next highest guy, I'm interested in who that guy is. I'm I and you know if if it's Hutchinson and the Lions pass on him. Oh, the pants chaos. shitting is chaos going in to, the streets. It'll the, be the like pants shitting from Michigan people is going to be unbearable. Ann Arbor, like, Ann Arbor will be on fire. <laughs> I but that's the thing, is like you listen to some draft guys. I don't think the national draft draft watchers are as high on Hutchinson as us in Michigan are. You keep saying that, but I don't think it's true. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Some of the guys I talk about, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Like I depend. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're right. And, and, and we, we've said it for the past two months, maybe all of everything we know about the 2022 NFL draft is not reality come three months later because things change. Like the narrative absolutely changes, even though there's not a lot of football being played left at the college level, the narrative changes. And so maybe it does change, but I, 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 I don't think it will. How how important do you think the game on New Year's Eve is to Hutchinson's draft stock? Because I mean, to 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 talk to Chris's point, like if there's a chance for him to do something on a national, on a stage. national yeah. stage versus an SEC team, sure. But I, I guess my question is, do you think it can really hurt his stock? I feel like it can only solidify his stock. I don't know if 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 you can erase what he did in the Ohio State game. And what no. I mean, setting records at Michigan. I don't think anything he does in one game, especially like, because as an edge, like if he was a quarterback and he threw four interceptions, that's one thing. There's no equivalent for an edge defender as throwing four interceptions, right? Like there's nothing you can do so negative as an edge defender to really hurt your stock. And so I think, I think it, it's, it's really only an opportunity for him to solidify it, not ruin anything unless he gets yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think he has everything to play for in the sense that he could become the surefire consensus number one guy. Like, it, right. if if he has a game where he maybe only has like one tackle for a loss and doesn't you know get as many quarterback pressures because Georgia you know takes care of him, maybe that's something where it's like, ah, uh, all right, well, like now we can really have a discussion between Thibodeau and Hutchinson, right? Um, or we can continue to have that discussion, but I. I don't know. That that's what that's probably. The, I hate to admit this, but it's probably the game I'm looking forward to watching the most <laughs> in terms of football. Like Big in the Michigan ne- fan in the, ne- in the next like week. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, to to the point we kind of danced around is what if the Lions decide to not go edge? Um, and first off, I would riot. <laughs> um, second off, I guess like. Well, before I even move away from that, we we are all still keep talking Aiden Hutchinson. Like, I feel like there's a lot of people, at least among Lions fans, who try to or who are trying to downplay Thibodeau. Like, this guy For is sure. still amazing. For sure. 
Like this guy is still pretty damn amazing. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's kind of crazy when you, I mean, all you really do have, you go back two months and it was just like, Kayvon Thibodeau is the only guy worthy of taking first overall. That's the narrative. Right. And every time, and I would notice this with our Discord is every time Kayvon Thibodeau would play a game that Oregon would struggle in, people would like henpeck apart his his right. play. They were trying to like sell the idea that's like, no, I don't want another Oregon player. That's it. Well, yeah. I, I, the, the other thing about, I guess, draft talk when it comes to the the edge positions too those you've kind of you've seen everything kind of like sandwich itself like in the sense that like there's all these like top i mean there's some guys that are throwing out the the guy from purdue like they're saying that he yeah george Karloftis, yeah 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 that he he deserves to be like in the discussion of like i i mean i I, i've seen quite a few people on draft twitter like draft nicks that are like i would rather have him than hutchinson and i don't know if that's just them being you know contrarian or if that's i mean obviously i'm not gonna i mean who who's out here really watching purdue football on their saturdays <laughs> besides besides Un- the real unfortunately Sixers. michigan state fans <laughs> yeah that. i mean could i again like I, I feel like we are so locked in that position but i feel like that's the position that has the most value at the top of this draft right like that's just I, as much as I will say, like, I'll keep saying Kyle Hamilton is probably going to come out as like the best athlete independent of position. It's kind of hard to sell anyone on a top two pick being a safety. Yep. E- even, even with, even if you believe in best player available, you like, you try to sell yourself saying you have a top two pick, spend it on a safety. Yeah. Well, I, I think the other interesting question is, if the if the Lions do end up number two, you take a look at the teams immediately that are going to be behind them, and a, and a lot of the picks are owned by either teams from New York, yeah. Uh, it, that Philadelphia pick, I mean, Philadelphia has to be so upset because Miami's won six games in a row. But you, you yeah, any of those teams that are kind of sitting there in the top ten, any of them going to be interested in moving up to get a quarterback? I, I, but that's the thing is like, who's the quarterback that's really like, I I've, I've heard some guys talk about Matt Coral being top 10, but it's always with the ancillary of not top five, top 10. So I guess, but then, so I guess the question of is like, yeah, to your point, like all those teams just like Carolina, Carolina will probably be the one because like the jets, they got to give another year to the Zach Wilson experiment. The giants, I don't think they've sold, uh, yeah, Danny Dimes yet. Yeah, apparently they're they're still in the Danny Dimes. They're still in the Joe yeah. Judge. I I mean Houston. I don't. But like they still have to figure out what the hell they're doing with with. Well, um, it's, it's clear Deshaun that Deshaun Watson. Watson's never going to play for them ever again. Sure, so, sure. Yeah. Who knows if they think they have something with Davis Mills? But I think where it gets interesting is like teams at like nine, ten, and eleven are Washington, Atlanta, and Denver. And you forget I don't Carolina know. is probably in there too. Right, and I, I don't know how close those teams think they are. Like Carolina, with the way that their defense was playing at times before they got injured all over the place, maybe they think they're a quarterback away. But I, I don't know. I, I think with – I'm all aboard just like wherever the Lions' chips end up falling, they end up falling. Like if they trade back, awesome. If they don't and they take their guy, awesome. Like they're going to get a really good player at two or if they trade out of that spot – I they're they're going to end up with some really good football players with the way that this draft is kind of I don't know like everybody talks about how like there aren't any like top tier like number one surefire like Trevor Lawrence those kind of like a lot of blue chip talent but but there's a lot of good prospects still yeah there's a lot not blue chips but there's a lot of starters yeah and that's what the Lions need yeah um since should we turn our attention to the Rams pick yeah I mean. I, I, the, the really only thing to announce here is, is, is that the Rams have now taken the lead in their division, which is important because it means they're probably going to get a home game, assuming they hold on to that lead. And it's looking like they are going to hold on to that lead because Arizona is just sliding away. Um, and so if they have a home game, obviously that gives them a better chance of winning in the wild card round. They're probably not going to win the f- first round by. So if they win that first round game um, at home, that means the pick's going to be no better than 25th. And so kind of a bummer, but again, I, I said this during the break, like 
the Rams have officially made the playoffs. That means it's not going to be better than 19th. So are you really like wringing your hands over anything between 19 and 32? Like, I, I think you get the same kind of player in that group, no matter where you're at. Right. I mean, going back to our question about wide receiver, I think the only one I'd maybe wring my hands on is if like Chris Olave is in the twenties. Yeah. And you lose out on him. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I just, to me, I fall into the camp where the Rams made the playoffs. Sorry. If, if, like it would have been nice for that to be a top 15, top 18 pick, whatever it's not. So who cares where it is now? So go get your Super Bowl, Matthew. Well, it, looking at Tankathon right now, it's interesting because they have the Rams finishing at 28th because of their record right. and, and, you know, expecting them to, to be divisional round losers. But like, yeah, I, I don't know. I think there might be a big difference between like something like 19 and 28, but like, they're not going to be 19 though, yeah, because even if, right. even if they lose in the wild card around the record is so good, it'll probably be towards the end of that 19 to 24 range. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, go, I don't know. Just say, it. just, just tell them to get a super bowl. Just say, it. just say, it, baby. Ask, say it. Hold on. Let me, let me do something else to Ryan. Let me, let me bring Ryan back to my side. What if it means missing out on Malik Willis? Don't say that to Ryan. You know, I think it's going to take me back to what you said about like <laughs> Matt Coral being like top 10, but not top five. Yeah. Like e- either the guy is your guy and you go get him or you don't. So, I mean, like, I don't see how a team like Washington, like if they're all sold on Matt Coral being their guy, what if you Why have an opportunity to move up to two to get him and he can be your guy, sure fire without a doubt, you go do it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, if Malik are, Willis was there. Are you talking I, yourself? Yeah. Are you talking yourself out of taking Malik Willis at the bottom of the round? Of the kind, first of, round? kind of. That's me getting blown <laughs> out of my this, seat. I, I, we're, we're going to, we're going watchers. to lose our damn minds talking about this in the coming <laughs> months. That's, that's the only thing I know is that we are not going to be sane by the time we have until what it was the draft in April. Yeah. And April, Holy, we're, we're not going to live. We're nope. not going to survive. Nope. <laughs> We're, we're literally not going to survive. Can, can I get to our last topic really quick and maybe just make it one, how about one, one player that you're looking forward towards watching in these final two games for the lions. Jared Goff. Yeah. He has played well down the stretch, but that always, we were just talking about like Tom Brady MVP talk. Uh, in the in the break and I had said like my friend was really stumping the table for Tom Brady as MVP right up until they get blanked 9-0 by the Saints like those kind of one game things can completely change your perception and yes Jared Goff has played well as of late especially as the as Dan Campbell who said today that he's going to be the off did he mean to say he was the he, he yeah. was going to be the OC? Yeah. The end of the- <laughs> that was kind of an interesting quote, right? Like, he's yeah, admitting, yeah. I, he's I, admitting I, that he's the offensive he's coordinator. He's admitting right that now. Anthony Lynn's go, like kind of out the door, which yeah. something we didn't. We'll have to save that for another podcast. I find that very interesting. But um, yeah, I need to like you need if you want to talk about Jared not taking a quarterback in this draft and moving along your rebuild and continuing to play hard but that hard also means you're probably going to kill a lot of your chance to land the quarterback, the future in the 2022 draft. You need Jared Goff to be consistent. And that means playing well down the stretch against some of these teams that are going to give you uh, hell is the best way to say it. So yeah, I want to see Jared Goff. I want to see him. He's had, he's had, I would say, can we say three good games? I, I, I'd call it a good month. He's had a good month. He's had a good month. Let's finish in style. Brian, what about you? What about you? Who's who's the guy you're looking forward to watching? I I want him to stay healthy because I want the Lions to bring him back. I want Charles Harris to just continue to be a force on the defensive line. Like I think it'd be so nice to at least know. Hey, you know, to take take it back to draft talk real quick. If the Lions get an awesome blue chip defensive end prospect, it'd be really awesome to have Charles Harris there too. Like. Yeah. Because man, what is depth 
at the edge. I don't know what that feels like. That feels like it, it is a never clear, had it. It feels like it's a clear path to like success on defense is to have multiple guys along that defensive line. Cause you talk about Lions teams of yesteryear. I mean, the 2014 team always stands out because of all the depth they had on their defensive line. And I know well, that all that, that's necessarily all that defensive end like, depth, but it, yeah. it was guys like Sue and Fairley and Ansa and, um, why am I blanking on uh, uh, Levy as God. linebacker? Like, I mean, well, yeah, he could bring pressure too, but there's a very specific defensive end that I'm not thinking of, and it's driving me nuts. Cliff Averill? No. Cliff Averill? No. Whatever. But my point being, I want to see Charles Harris continue to just be like a dude down the stretch. Chad is saying Nick that, Young. That will make me feel very comfortable giving giving him like a contract. Yeah. In the off season. Cause he, he was on a one-year deal. The, the one guy I'm looking forward to is if Atumelifanu. God is, you know, he's back in the lineup now. He's, he's essentially cornerback one, I guess at this point, or I don't know if it's him or Will Harris, but cornerback position obviously has been decimated, but it's, it's giving an opportunity for if to get in there and, it, it it was very interesting to hear Dan Campbell talk about him today because he did that thing where he's like, he doesn't directly say a player was played poorly, but he also very clearly said that here, here's what he said. He said, quote, look, the film showed a guy who look, he went up, he went in there and competed. He drew Kyle Pitts quite a bit and showed that and showed that he hasn't played a lot since green Bay is what he showed. <laughs> He has, yeah. So he's essentially saying like he played like someone who hasn't played since week two and, and yeah, he's, he's right. And, and he went on to say like, listen, like that's okay. He, he basically hasn't played since week two and we want to get his feet wet again. And we want to get him in there and, and get some learning experiences in there. So I'm interested to see how if we've basically seen this progression with everybody else that is, that was healthy and played. Jerry Jacobs looked lost in training camp, got better. We, we saw Mani Oruwari. I didn't think he played particularly well through the first half of the season. He got a lot better. And I know if he he's only got two weeks now, but I want to see him get better. And hopefully these last two games give him an opportunity to do that. Hopefully we see at least some flashes here or there against, uh, I mean, two good sets of receivers coming up, right, in, in the Seahawks and the, and the Packers. There are no slouches in that receiving core. So he's going to have his hands full, and I want to see him respond. We'll have our hands full for the rest of the season. Yeah. Speaking of having our hands full with that 2014 team, I had to look it up. George Johnson and Jason Jones. I, I, I'm not upset that uh, I didn't call those names. George Johnson had six sacks. Jason Jones had five. Golf this line. is really, this is, this, this is taking a very sad turn at the end. Yeah. You're welcome. We were talking about the draft and we ended up on 2014 Detroit Lions. <laughs> Alexa, play victory Monday. We'll see you star side. <laughs> I hope that actually sets off someone's Alexa. I do too.